Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team right Mookie Betts going back to the wall gone a first inning homer for Randy Arozarena number 10 of the postseason it's one nothing raise here's your host Neil Solons Good morning. Welcome to our show. Today we chat with J.P. Fireisen about joining the Rays. Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun will discuss the week gone by and what the pitching staff has been doing so well. Pitching prospect Shane Boz discusses how he's improved this year. Plus, we chat with hitting coach Chad Matola and look at the White Sox on the Central Division with Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our future guest this week is one J.P. Fireisen, one of the newest members of the Rays. J.P., great to have you on the program. Tell me how much you're enjoying your time with Tampa Bay so far. So far, it's been great. I mean, how can it not be? Come here, and, and we're winning ball games. I came here in the, in the middle of that, uh, what is that, 11-game win streak that we had, and I got to be here for four, four of the games before. So, I mean, yeah, it's been great, and, and we have a great group of guys here, and it's been a blast. What's been special about this place so far? Because you've been with four winning organizations, Cleveland, the Yankees, Milwaukee, and Tampa Bay the last several years. They've all been either in the playoffs or teams competing for playoff spots. Well, I, I mean, I, I just think that it's a, a great group of guys. I mean, and we just have guys that get the job done. I mean, it, it through the, for, throughout the whole lineup, you just have confidence in everybody that, that when they step up in the big moments there, that they're going to be the guy that's going to get the hit or, or go in and get the outs. I mean... Last night, RT absolutely saved my butt end, uh, and it was awesome. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been great being here, and, and, and uh, I love playing with these guys, and it's just been a fun environment. How much different are the celebrations here than they were in Milwaukee, and how much more do you enjoy those? Uh, the celebrations are fun here. Uh, KK does a great job, and I think that, the I mean, it took me a couple of the celebrations, but I learned quick because it was in the first couple nights that we got to do it. So, But, no, it's it's fun, and, and it's it's been a blast, and, uh, I mean, it's really like nowhere else as far as enjoying wins and, and having fun in the big leagues. Take me back to the day you were traded. How much did it catch you by surprise? It actually caught me a lot by surprise. Uh, I think it also caught Drew the same, um, both of us, because, I mean, right now, trade deadline, you're not really thinking trades are going to happen at that point in time. And then also, I mean, I mean, getting traded for Willie, a starting shortstop of a, a former World Series team, um, is kind of just like a a crazy thing to to have happen but um no it was it was a it was a crazy day whirlwind but uh i'm glad to be here now now though is it better to not have much time to think about it 
and get thrown right into the fray rather than maybe have to a couple days to have to pack up? And, and how hard is that whole process to get everything? What do you still not have with you right now that you had? I mean, I'm, I've just been living out of the hotel right now. So that's just, uh, I mean, normal life of a baseball player, especially, uh, you know, for me, this is the third time being traded to a team. So I'm getting pretty used to living out of a suitcase. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, for me it was it was nice being able to just basically get on a flight, be here the next day, and pitch in the next two games. Um, just kind of get your feet wet, get your feet underneath in, and up and running with your team, and, and it's been good. So what's still back in Milwaukee since you're living out of a suitcase that you'd want to have right now? Um, actually, I have everything. My truck got shipped here, um, so I finally have gotten everything. But, uh, I mean, I have to say thanks to, to my mom and, and Westy to get the truck down here because otherwise I'd be living with the same clothes I've had for a week. Uh, I mean, I packed for a trip to to Cincinnati I had I think three outfits with me and I and then I had to wear those three outfits for the next week and a half so <laughs> uh, but it's nice to have everything with me now and the Rays aren't that strict on uh, dress code on the road anyway so you're good there as well yeah and the good thing was I had uh, button downs and, and nice jeans so I was I was good to go anyways there you go uh, tell me you've got some kindred spirits I think on this team you came out of Wisconsin Stevens Point which is a division three program i know josh fleming is a division three guy is there a kind of a bond that you have with guys like that who've gone through that kind of journey and were a little unheralded yeah i mean uh, anybody that's that's gone through d3 i mean d2 even or nai it's just kind of like a different you're not on that same stage as the division one guys and you don't really get that same exposure but uh yeah it's been it's it's awesome watching josh pitch because uh, i know like for me d3 he, I think he dominated D3 a lot more than I did, so uh, I think it was a little different for him. But, yeah, it's just cool to see guys that, that played uh, Division three ball and, and making it to the next level and the top level. So growing up in Wisconsin, did you always dream of being a pro baseball player? When did that become reality in your life? Actually, no. I, I mean, I was when I went to school, I was planning on becoming a uh, physical education, special education teacher and, you know, basically doing that and hopefully coaching baseball or, or some sport while while being a teacher but I think my sophomore year in the Northwoods League kind of was the first time I thought I could have a chance to play professional baseball I mean just minor leagues uh, would have been you know kind of a dream for for me and and then it just kind of turned into more and learned that I could compete at the next level and the next level and it, it kind of just worked out from there but never really had a dream until about sophomore year of high school I mean every kid dreams of it but like never really comes the realization of it until then. Were you always a pitcher then, and when did pitching really take a step forward for you? So I actually didn't start pitching until junior year of high school. Um, while sophomore summer into junior year of high school, I actually hated pitching when I was younger. And my dad was my coach all the way through and, and tried to uh, get me to pitch just because I threw hard. You know, I played third base. That was my position. And third base would have good arms to get it across the diamond. And he always wanted me to pitch, and I'd always fight him on it. And, of course, he's the coach, and I'm the coach's kid, so it was like, no, I'm not pitching. And But then now, yeah, it just turned out that uh, sophomore summer into junior year, I we needed someone to throw in a game, and I was like, ah, I guess I'll do it, and worked out from there and never looked back. Did Was there a reliever, since you are a reliever now, that you started to emulate or enjoy watching as you were going through this process? And if not, who were some of the baseball players you grew up watching maybe – did you go to Brewers games as a kid? Uh, so actually, I was, I'm was i closer to the Twin Cities. So I was I kind of grew up uh, more of a Twins fan. I'm a Twins Brewers fan uh, growing up. I mean, besides when they played each other, I rooted for the Twins against the Brewers because my entire family wanted the Brewers. So I just rooted against them being the, the rebellious one. But uh, guys that I watched growing up, uh, Corey Kosky, Torrey Hunter, 
um, Brad Radke, Lariano, the guys from the Twins, and then like for the Brewers, it was Corey Hart, J.J. Hardy, Bill Hall, guys like that. So uh, no, no really relievers or anything like that. But uh, I mean, just I loved baseball growing up, so it was it was fun to watch. Was there another sport? Because growing up in the Midwest, I have to ask, did you play ice hockey, and was that ever a consideration versus baseball? I never played hockey. Just uh, hockey's an expensive sport. Um, so, no, I, I actually played uh, basketball, football, and baseball. So did all those in high school. Um, and, yeah, baseball just happened to be my, my best one and my favorite one. I've seen from your Twitter handle, though, you like the outdoors. Yes. Have you had a chance to go fishing here in Tampa Bay yet? So I went fishing when I was in spring training with the with the Yankees. I've gone fishing a few times, fished some local ponds for bass, and I'm excited. I Actually, my roommate then had a boat, and we went out in the ocean a little bit and, and fished and caught some, some snapper and some snook and um, some sea trout. So, But I'm excited to get out and try and uh, fish a little bit more do you enjoy that more or less than let's say lake fishing because there's obviously a lot of lake fishing where you're from this is obviously out in the open water is a little different yeah i definitely am a lake fisherman i'd rather sit sit in a lake and and know that uh there's nothing in the 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 lake that's gonna eat me kill me bite me that's gonna somehow somehow affect me but uh i mean the ocean's fun it's cool to catch fish that you haven't seen before or gotten to get a hold of so but i'm definitely a lake fisherman because we talked a lot of fishing last week. We had Austin Meadows on the show, and he is a Georgia boy who loves fishing. Is it, Are you a bigger fisherman, or, or do you like hunting in the offseason? What's the, what's the preference? Uh, hunting, for sure, is my, is my true passion. Uh, my dad and I are big into bow, whitetail bow hunting, and uh, it's kind of like takes up my entire offseason. I get my baseball stuff done, either doing some, some sort of prep for, for bow hunting uh, or getting in a tree stand and, and actually going hunting. And I'm sure you'll find plenty. Well, you won't find that here, but you'll find plenty of guys to talk about it here, I'm sure, or if you haven't already. Yeah, I've uh, talked to quite a few guys about it, actually. we got some quite a few hunters on the team, so it's, it's good to talk about. You definitely do. And you had some guys that you actually knew in the Cleveland organization. How much has that helped you? Uh, it's great. I mean, he was my first catcher, actually, uh, in pro ball. It was kind of cool getting here and, and seeing him. And when I played with him the first time, he was... 17 18 years old so i mean just a little baby and and i was it was a completely different thing but now yeah seeing him how grown up he is and and how how much he's improved behind the dish has been a blast and then obviously uh playing with yandi is is good again too you've been here a short time how much have they brought to you because i know this is a very analytical organization how much do you think that will help you going forward yeah i mean um they just kind of brought a couple little things to my attention just uh on on things that I could do a little bit better that'll that'll make me more effective and yeah it's it's been great here so far I, I feel like uh with Snides and and Stan and it's it's as a pitcher I mean how can you not want to be here well I think one of the things I always hear is they focus on what you do well first versus what you don't do is that what you also encountered yeah that's basically it's it's like hey you do this really well let's do this more and and you'll get outs more and it's kind of like a you know, you first get here and it's kind of like a, a tire pumping thing. You kind of feel like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I can be really good, you know. And I think that uh, that definitely helps to get comfortable with the new team. Um, but, like, yeah, when they when they tell you your strengths and say, hey, use your strengths more, it makes you feel more confident in yourself. You mentioned you, you've been traded a couple times. How much has that helped you just feel comfortable earlier than, let's say, guys who maybe are getting moved for the first time? Every time you get traded, it's it's a new thing. You meet a bunch of new guys. I mean, you go into a clubhouse and it's 25 new guys that you haven't met before. But that's just a beautiful thing about baseball is is uh, 
like we just have great guys in this sport and uh um so it makes it really easy to move but yeah i think each time for me it's just become a little bit easier and easier but i think it's also a lot easier when you come to a team that's winning the way they are and everyone's in a good mood what's been your best moment so far not necessarily with the rays but in big league baseball um obviously you battled what nearly seven seasons to get to this point any time that you get a chance to do a champagne shower in uh, in minor leagues and or the major leagues, I think that you need to celebrate that because uh, not a lot of people get to experience those. So um, I know with the Yanks in, in uh, Scranton, we got to do quite a few of those. I mean, we made the playoffs every year I was there, and we always went to the first, second, or actually second round, and most of the time we ended up losing to the Durham Bulls. So, yeah, I think that any time you get to celebrate that and have that experience with, with teammates and, and enjoy that type of fun, is those are the moments that, that you don't forget. And in terms of the big league level, what's been your best moment? You had a debut. You're pitching for, at the time, your, you know, your in-state team. The best moment so far is just being able to have my family in the stands for, for games and, and getting to see me because last year without without anyone, they weren't able to see my actual debut. But uh, it was kind of like it was cool for them to be able to see me pitch and actually make my debut debut in front of fans. Was pitching in New York any more special to you because you were in that organization as well? I'm kind of curious what that felt like. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, it definitely was special. I think that uh, everyone in my family, friends, um, even teammates that were, were playing with me I think made it even more special just because they're like, I bet that felt really good, you know, coming in and throwing against those guys. But, uh, it, I mean, it was it was good, and it was also fun to see guys that I played with across, across the line and, and uh, compete against them. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask one question about uh, your best story that you told us in Zoom, which is about being an Uber driver. So what was your we, – we've heard about your good Uber experiences. What was your worst Uber experience? I had an experience where a husband and wife were fighting – they had both had a little bit of alcohol in them, so they were boisterous. And uh, the husband asked me, he's like, don't you think she's uh, being, like, n- not, like, she's not agreeing with him? And, and she's like, don't you think she's being, like, unrational? And and I'm like, I don't think I should be a part of this uh, conversation. Uh, I'm just an Uber driver. And then she started yelling back at him, and it was just a back and forth for about 15-minute drive. And I was like just trying to drive as fast as I could and get to the spot and get them out of my vehicle. Did you still get a five star for that drive? <laughs> I did. I did. I think, I think, uh, his wife was the one that got the Uber because when I didn't chime into the, the argument, I think I won the five stars that way. Well, I'm glad you don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> and it's great to have you on the ball club and great to chat with you on this week in race baseball. Yeah, it's great. To, great to meet you. And then great to chat with you too, Neil. That's JP fire Rising, And we'll continue with more right after this on the race baseball network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. And time to chat about the week gone by. And joining me from Valley Sports Sun is Brian Anderson. B.A., great to have you in person right yeah, in front of me. This, this is new. <laughs> this is new. And this is fun. And this is normal. Yes. And how much fun has this been all been? I mean, 22-5 and five the last 27 games. It's, it's the, one of the best stretches this franchise has ever been on. And you know what? It's not surprising. You you don't look at the last 27 games and think fluke or, oh, my gosh, how'd they do that? It looks normal. It, it looks like they could continue. It looks sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what really jumps out at you. You know, when I think about this team, and, and I know that you'll you'll feel the same way, the one thing that they don't do, they don't ever, and now this will be the kiss of death for this <laughs> afternoon, they don't get blown out. Mm-hmm. They're in every single game. 
That, that's what they don't get manhandled ever. You know, so so all the games they play are close. In fact, I think that twenty-two and five run, the five losses are a, a, by a combined like seven runs. Yep. So you were in all of those games too that you lost. It's it's pretty incredible, and like I said, it looks sustainable. There's nothing fluky about it, and it is a lot of fun. It's going to make for a very fun summer, and it's going to make for a fantastic fall. Can you imagine pitching behind a group that plays as well defensively as this group does, and what? how does it change the mindset of a pitcher? I would have loved to have pitched in, in, in front of this group. It's funny because we had a, a pregame segment the other day, and, and before we started it, Doug said, hey, I'm going to follow up and, and ask you kind of uh, the best defensive team that you ever pitched in front of. And I said, you don't do that because I didn't pitch in front of some, any, <laughs> some very good defenses. I, I, so I don't, let's not even go there. I don't think I could think of one. Uh, but these guys, they, the, the rate, and, you know, listen, it's all by design, but they have put athletes out mm-hmm. there. They have put athletes out there who know how to play the game of baseball and who are very good at the at the game of baseball, especially on the defensive end of things, and they catch they catch the ball and they know where to go with it. You know, I listen, we we interviewed uh, Kevin yesterday during the game and I asked him. I said, "Now that we've been around 2 plus months, I've seen a lot of sloppy baseball around the game. I said, but the Rays play a very fundamentally sound brand. They are buttoned up. They know where to go with the ball. They know how to hit the cutoff, man. They know how to run the bases. Sure, are there mistakes made? Yes, but not at the degree of what other teams make. And I think that being buttoned up like that, being a good defensive team, is a difference maker now. Where before the fundamentals were stressed by all teams and worked on by all teams, maybe there were a few teams that were a little bit better, but it was always stressed by, it doesn't look like that's the case now. There are some teams out there that are so fundamentally horrible, it's tough to watch. And the Rays being as good as they are on that end, especially defensively, it is a separator. And, uh, you know, run prevention. You throw out the really good pitching and you back it up with really good defense and it's tough to score on them. And speaking of really good pitching, for me, there's three guys in that bullpen. The bullpen's been great all the way across the board, but three guys who stand out to me in terms of what they've given compared to maybe what you anticipated, and that's Andrew Kittredge, Colin McHugh, Ryan Thompson. Those three guys have been almost unhittable the last month. Yeah, and let's hit on them. Andrew Kittredge, you thought a year ago, maybe surgery. And you, you didn't even think he was going to be on the squad this year because of mm-hmm. potential for injury. And if he was, you know, he's going to be in that same role, kind of how are we going to use him? Well, my goodness. He's an opener, and he gets the game off to a great start a couple of times. Uh, you can throw him in the middle of the game in some high-stress innings. You can throw him at the end of a ball game. Uh, you know, he has that perfect tunnel mix of the hard sinker down and into the righties with the hard slider down and away to the righties. Uh, you know, and, and same thing with lefties. But he tunnels those pitchers very well. And and he seems to have matured, not as a person, but as a pitcher, you know, more than you would think. Like, he looks like a, a salty veteran that's been this good uh, and has been doing this for an awful long time. So he's been fantastic. Um, you know, think about Ryan Thompson. Mm-hmm. Ryan Thompson, his velocity on the fastball and the way that he's been able to run that up in the zone. I think, and he's finding a lot of hitters, you know, you're seeing them strike out looking uh, or chasing that fastball with two strikes because I think they're all still waiting for that breaking ball. And even the breaking ball, he can change the slope of that, kind of an upshoot version. Uh, he can he can get it really wide and, and sweep it off the plate. Uh, but that fastball has been very good, and you can tell by his body language and just his stuff in general that he's pitching um you know with a with a ton a ton of confidence um and who was the other one uh colin McHugh. well Cal- oh good 
NASCAR. That's that's my new nickname for for Colin McHugh, NASCAR, because everything's a left turn. It's either the cutter or the slider, and every boom, boom. I mean, that's just what he does. Um, so every time I see him coming in, I have a hard time calling him Colin McHugh because he's NASCAR to me. But he's been unbelievable, and he's gone out there. His last few outings, he's been unhittable, and he has really calmed games down. Where games have been either very ugly, very slow, uh, very clunky, um, or the race pitching before him is, is a little bit uneven. He has come in, and it's just like three innings, two innings, and you know the other night it was three innings and twenty nine pitches, two innings yesterday, just you know lickety split, get done and hand it over to the guys at the end. He's been a completely different pitcher since he's come off the IL. So yeah, and you could go on and on about the rest of the guys out there too, mm-hmm. but it's it's been a fantastic group. How excited are you for this series coming up against the White Sox? Very excited. I, for, I you know, I overlooked that. I, I, I'm still thinking about not traveling. Oh, here come the Mariners games. We're not going to go on the air until 10 o'clock. I've been thinking about that. I'm like, wait, before that, we've got a big series. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's against the White Sox. We're going to get their better starters. So it's going to be, I think, both teams. It's a measuring stick series uh, because you don't play them a ton. They're not in the division. You know, usually you're doing that against the Yankees or the Red Sox over the years, kind of measuring yourself against them. But now you've got the two best teams in the American League and they're not in the same division. You don't see an awful lot of each other and you're going to go toe to toe. So I think both teams are going to be excited about that series and look to send a statement that no, 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 we're the best team in the American League. And so that's going to be that's going to be a ton of fun. Got about a minute. Shane McClanahan pitches game two in that series. What adjustment does he need to make after the last two starts he's not been able to get out of the fourth inning? Well, you know, I know that after the first one, he made mention of I need to be more aggressive. I, I kind of you know picked around the fringes of the zone. I need to be more aggressive and attacking the zone. So his mindset was right. In the last start, I think that he went out there with that mindset, but mechanically he was not right. He was pulling off a lot of pitches. Uh, he just didn't look in sync mechanically. And so I think that, that where his head is is where you want it to be. Aggressive, attack the zone, know that you've got really plus stuff, uh, good enough to get these hitters out in the zone, so go do it. He's got to fix the mechanics. And so that's something that you're hoping that him and Kyle Snyder, uh, before this upcoming start, they've been able to work out the kinks and he can get back into good rhythm. If he does that, he's going to be fine. If he doesn't, I don't care how badly he wants to attack the zone, he just won't be able to because mechanically he's not quite there yet. So that's something to look for early in that game. B.A., great stuff. We certainly appreciate the chance to do this in person and hopefully many more times during the course of the year. Amen, brother. I'm fired up. Thank you. All right, Brian Anderson of Bally Sports Sun. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pinellas Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball and time to take a look at things on the minor league side. And there are a lot of Rays who are doing really well. And right at the top of the list, especially uh, from pitching, is Shane Boz, who now joins us. Shane, thanks very much for a few minutes. No problem, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Your numbers so far this year are eye-popping. I mean, 49 strikeouts, two walks, and just over 33 innings. Do you feel as good about the way you've performed as the results have been? Yeah, results have been good. I'd like to have some more wins. I mean, that's kind of my goal every time I go out there is to get a win. But, yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely some things I can improve on. And, you know, just limiting hits and walks and all that is kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's going well. Your last start was incredibly good. You were perfect for five innings with just 53 pitches. What allowed you to be so efficient on that day? 
I think it was just attacking the strike zone and getting ahead of guys. Just getting strike one on a hitter just makes my life a lot easier. So um, anytime I can get ahead, whether it's a swing and miss or a take, has just been I, I I did that well last outing. You've done it well so far this season, at least by the numbers. I mean, you're you're striking out like 24 batters for every walk you allowed, which is you know it really I think it's at the top of minor league baseball right now. But that has not or had not been your mo, you know, prior to this. What's changed? Is it more mental? Is it more physical? What what changes have you made? I mean, honestly, not a bunch of changes. Just uh, kind of I've been saying it for a while. I'm, I feel like my control is, is there and it's been it's been there. I've been working really hard on just being consistent. I think I'm taking advantage of, you know, the games right now and just um, challenging hitters and making them, you know, earn their way on base. What did Major League Spring Training do for you, Shane, in terms of your confidence, in terms of your growth, and how do you think you did grow there? Um, I'd say it definitely gave me some confidence just – to go there and see how my stuff stacks up against big league hitters and just, you know, proving that I belong there. I think I got to learn a lot just by watching our guys and how they go about their business every day and just honestly setting good examples for me and just where I can kind of look around and say, okay, like that's how you do this. This is how you do that and so on and so forth kind of thing. Has it helped at all with your your five-day routine in terms of the type of things you do, the intensity at which you do them? Definitely. I'd say just getting to see, you know, we got guys that have been in the big leagues for a long time and uh, have had success in the big leagues for years now. And uh, just getting to see how they go through their routine every day is really cool and uh you can kind of see how hard they work every single day, even when they're not pitching. That really, I think, makes a difference. In terms of your pitch development, Shane, we don't get to obviously see your starts. Are you using all of your pitches now? Or are you, when you've got you know an outing where you only use 53 pitches in five innings, I'm sure it's a little more difficult to establish everything. Yeah, I mean, I threw, I think that last outing, I probably threw four or five curveballs, maybe eight to 10 change-ups, eight to 10 sliders, and then the rest heaters. So I've been mixing it up, just feeling comfortable with all my offerings right now and just feeling like I can land everything for strike or, you know, expand if I'm trying to get a swing and miss. But yeah, the the stuff has felt uh, good. Which pitches have taken off the most? You know, I know the Rays do so much work with pitch development and there's a chance to work you know, at least in spring training in a lab and, and kind of change pitch shape or adjust it. What's taken off for you the most this year? I don't think I've really made a bunch of changes with my stuff. Kind of, I've always kind of, you know, maybe made little changes, but honestly, just like off-season work and, and just trying to be consistent every day has, I think, made my change up and curveball a lot better, honestly. And in terms of some of the guys down in Montgomery with you, I know the Rays always have, you know, a really talented group of pitchers. Who Who's your throwing partner? Who maybe are some guys that, you know, you really work with and you guys push each other really well and help one another? Yeah, I mean, my roommate is uh, Caleb Sampin, so we usually throw together. He's nasty, but we got, I mean, we got a really nasty uh, rotation and bullpen. I mean, our whole rotation just pounds a zone and they're not going to help you out and put you on base 
they've all been, you know, going right at guys and and making them earn it. And then the bullpen's been locked down. We got a lot of we got a lot of guys that have really good stuff that just almost wow you like every day. How much have you enjoyed just being back in competition, Shane? You know, I know you were competing last year, but there were no fans in the stands. You're doing it on a backfield in, in Port Charlotte where this year you're, you're traveling again, you're playing in games. How much did you miss it and how much is it helping? Oh, I mean, this is, you know, what I want to be doing. So anytime that, I mean, as soon as we kind of figured out we were going to get to play, it was like just a rush of like, almost like adrenaline, like just getting the chance to be back out there and, you know, doing what you love to do is, uh, has been really great. Has there been a little bit of an adjustment or was it, you know, like controlling the adrenaline? I'm sure it's a different adrenaline when you've got people cheering for or against you versus doing it when you only have 20 teammates or 25 teammates in the dugout. Yeah. I mean, last year at the alternate site, it was so competitive and, uh, that group was just so locked in every day that, you know, it kind of makes this a lot easier. So it hasn't been like too tough, but definitely getting like, you know, when you get a full packed house, it definitely, you know, heightens your senses a little bit. That's honestly been really fun. I think for you and all of the raised minor leaguers, for the most part, they've limited guys to four and five inning stints. Have they given you any, you know, obviously they want to monitor and be careful based on the fact that you didn't get a lot of innings last year. Has there been a lot of conversation about, you know, how long they will kind of go with those before they allow you to stretch out a little bit? You know, I think everybody kind of knew that we were going to be limited this year as far as like our innings cap and our outings, pitch counts, up downs, stuff like that. And I totally trust them in that aspect. I think they know it's best. We got a great, uh, they're not going to, you know, steer us wrong in that aspect, but no, not really too many conversations, just, you know, whatever they say, I'm, I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Mentally, is it, is it any different? Because sometimes let's say if you know, you've got a chance to go seven or eight innings, if you're efficient, you may conserve a little bit. If you're only going up to five innings, you know, is it, is it more pedal on the gas throughout or is it any different for you? I really, I don't think it's any different for me. I try and just, you know, be consistent and, uh, you know, just have the same stuff every game, but, and just, you know, getting guys out one, one at bat at a time, one pitch at a time. So it's, it's, I try and not really think about it. And what have you enjoyed Shane most about the way the first month and change has gone for you? And what are some things that as this season progresses, you want to continue to get better at? What would those things be? I'm, I'm happy with, uh, how I'm attacking the zone right now. That's been, that's been kind of, you know, my MO people, you know, oh, you gotta stop walking guys, this and that. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's coming, you know, I, I can tell I've gotten better every year and just trying to like, you know, take that next step. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. And then what was the second part of that? Well, if you're looking at something the rest of the year that you say, hey, here's how, how I want to grow or where I want to grow, what would it be? I think it could be just sequencing and sequencing hitters like second, third time through the order because I have full faith that I can, you know, get through an order the third time. That's what the best guys do. So I'm trying to like lock that down right now. And, you know, we mentioned how good you've been. You've walked only two batters in, in seven starts. Do you even remember when your last walk was? And do you actually, are you one of these guys who recalls stuff like that? Or is it you're in your zone and game's over, game's over? Uh, I remember I walked uh, 
the first batter of the entire season. So I definitely remember that one. And then I think I walked somebody the third game. In the second inning, I think we were playing Chattanooga, maybe five-hole hitter. So, yeah, I I mean, obviously, baseball is kind of like short-term memory sport. But I definitely go back and, you know, study, study um, just honestly video. But, yeah, I try not to try not to think about the loft. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope you keep going on this uh, incredible run, Shane. Um, excited to see what you've done so far in Montgomery and what's to come for you the rest of the year. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. I appreciate it, Neil. Thank you for having me. And that's Shane Boz, one of the top pitching prospects in the Rays organization. Coming up, Rays hitting coach Chad Matola and Anthony Castrovins of MLB.com. We're back in a moment. This is This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and joining us right now, Rays hitting coach Chad Matola. And Chad, obviously, you guys have been really productive for an extended period of time. Tell me what have you appreciated most about the run that you guys have been on as a group? I feel like it's been different guys throughout the stretch that have been carrying us. That's the good thing is once we get everybody hot at the same time, I think we haven't reached that ceiling yet. So we're still a work in progress. Uh, it's good to have things to do in the middle of June. And by September, I hope to have them all worked out. Do you think that there is still uh, more in the tank for a lot of individual players too? Because you look at a lot of numbers and the OPS is maybe league average or slightly better, but they're not significantly high it's just that the numbers are down across the league well it's one of those things that the pitching keeps getting better and better the outings get shorter and shorter the guys come out and get to just unload for one inning and leave the game the next guy comes in so it's something we have to adjust to for sure but that's not an excuse guys still have room to improve they know it and that's what we're working on couple of things I want to touch on before we hit some individual guys. One, I chatted last week with Austin Meadows about video, and he mentioned how video has helped him to have it back. How has it helped you and your job in helping the hitters? I think it helps game plan for the pitchers, what they're trying to do, what their fastball is doing, where the catcher sets up. Uh, rarely is it mechanical adjustments from the hitter in game. It's more of how the pitcher's trying to attack them. Sometimes they miss their spots and you don't know if they're trying to do the things they're doing. So it just gives you more definitive ideas of the next step back. Do you think mentally it also is helping some hitters too, just to have that, that video back? Sure. I mean, your brain goes all different directions during the game. You don't know if something you did. You don't know if something he did. Uh, this just makes the image for real rather than you're imagining things. You have to sit there and wait for four hours to say, was I feeling this? Was I doing this? So it, it's more black and white answers rather than just guessing. Tell me, too, about, you know, you mentioned that guys are going shorter and pitchers are tougher, but we are going from 60 to 162 and we're barely beyond the 60 game mark. At what point do you think that kind of advantage may swing in the favor of the hitter that you start to see more fatigued arms throughout the league? It's one of those things that's always happened after the all-star break. I think fatigued arms also came with fatigued legs for the hitters, fatigued players as well. So that usually goes along the same lines, but I feel like the advantage will go to the hitters a little more this year in the sense that who knows what the inning limits are. We're seeing a lot more starters get that extra day throughout the league for teams trying to plan to September. Uh, it, it may be a little advantage this year, but in years past, it's one of those things. Everybody was fatigued by August. You're trying to tell players to use an ounce lighter at bat or bats, things like that. So we're not waiting for that to happen. It, it's just going to happen organically. 
And because you guys platoon so much, I would imagine that at least allows your hitters, your position players to stay a little fresher than some other teams, maybe. Yeah, we're pretty weary of getting the rest. Uh, we had a couple of night games last week that we didn't even have BP. It's one of those that in time, we hope to build up to September and have guys fresh. Of the hitters in the group to this point, Chad, who has been the biggest surprise to you in a positive way and why? Uh, I don't think anybody's been a big surprise in the sense of where they're at. It, it's We trust these guys a lot. If anything, I think they'll tell you we're, we're still living, leaving a little meat on the bone, expecting a little more. We have pretty high expectations out of ourselves. I know the league doesn't sometimes, but everybody has room for improvement. And they'll be the first to tell you. You guys have been a top 10 offense in the entire league. Uh, Austin Meadows has been the most productive guy in terms of the home runs and the RBIs. What have you liked most and where can he grow the most in the final 90 plus games? Uh, the consistency of the last six weeks been the fun part. We have a routine going. Uh, we don't let the game results dictate how the work's going. It's one of those that we found some things that shortened the swing, got him balanced, easier to the ball. And that's the most encouraging part is the results are coming as a benefit of that. The catchers have provided maybe the best production in the league combined between Mike and Francisco. What has, um, how much do you think it has helped that they've been able to get rest, the two of them? We talk about platoons. They really have split the duties a lot. Yeah, I think it's mental fatigue just as much for a catcher. No one talks about that side of it. They have to do, you know, with us, it's four or five pitchers a night that they have to get through the game. So I think more than physical, it's the mental grind of the other side of the ball that never gets talked about the catcher that, that they have to provide each night and then worry about getting ready for their at-bat. So I think that's the reset that is more necessary. Talked this year about Randy Rosarena being the guy who you have the least concerns about. Why is that, and how good do you think he can be this year? I think it's one of those things, it's pretty obvious he's just trying to do too much. It's nothing mechanical, it's just he's overstriding, trying to go ahead and hit the 40 homers, trying to hit the home run every other at-bat that he's doing the postseason. It's just a matter of settling, it, settling in. When that happens, we never know. He showed some signs the other night of finally accepting some line drives that went off the wall. That's very encouraging. But it, it's one of these that it is 162. If we sit here and panic and worry about him when he's just trying to overachieve, you never get mad at a guy like that or try to bring the reins in. Over time, the game does it for him. Your ability to kind of stay calm through the early season struggles, I think probably has trickled down a little bit. How difficult is that to do uh, even in a six-month season? And, and how, what's allowed you to do that? Uh, it's not very hard at all. I mean, I know how hard this game is. I know how long the season is. I'll never forget those things. Uh, it's one of these things I wish I'd have controlled a little better when I was between the lines. But now that I'm outside the lines, it's even simpler to sit back and say, relax. And we got a long season. And to see the talent they have, it, it makes my job really easy to bring that message to feel that way to know hey the, the reality is is you're really good and it's a long season and, and and just let it play out and your talent will come over and come through and your numbers will be there at the end of 162 maybe first month won't go as planned but I promise by the end of the year you'll be fine one of the one of the new players you have added recently is Taylor Walls it gives you a second switch hitter on the roster uh, a guy who can play all over the field how impressed have you been with him because everyone talks about his defense but for a young player, his at-bats have been pretty good. That's the thing. And, and everybody from the minor leagues are calling me daily on him to get updates on how he's doing. And that's my message to them every day is, you know, his numbers are one thing, but the way he sees the ball, the way he controls the at-bat, 
we've seen really good pitching when he's been here, the Yankees a few times. So it's not like it was a soft landing for him by any means. And he has controlled that bats right away. He's had some borderline pitches called against him. He hasn't lost his mind within that at bat. So he, his temperament's great. The, the way he sees the ball is great. That's, that's where it's a good sign for the future for him. And that's great stuff from the race hitting coach, Chad Matola. The race interplay today, sixth in Major League Baseball in runs per game. Now, starting tomorrow, the Rays are back on the road to meet the Chicago White Sox. And joining us to chat about Chicago and the American League Central is Anthony Castrovins. You've seen him a lot on MLB Network, also with MLB.com. And, Anthony, what's been most impressive to you about the division-leading White Sox so far? Well, I, the biggest thing that impresses me about them is just the – granted, every team has gone through injuries this season, but they've had two huge ones. Uh, Eloy Jimenez you know, hasn't played a game for them this year and is one of their best offensive performers last season. You know, He had the injury in spring training, and then Luis Robert played you know, about 20, 25 games or so before he got hurt himself. So their outfield has really been ravaged, and yet uh, you know, here they are, the uh, superpower that was – they were expected to be they've obviously had some other drama as well <laughs> related to their manager but they've they've fought through all of that and and just it's just a, a team with a ton of talent now they're being tested yet again uh nick madrigal uh now in the 60 day il for them so uh you know that's those are three huge hits to what is a young fun lineup but uh they've they've persevered to this point they certainly have and obviously they've done it with great pitching you know you take a look at their starting pitching and i think other than the five starters that they've had, there have been four or five games started by someone else than their big five. So their five starters have remained healthy. Yeah, and as we know, that's that's always a separator, but never more so than here in 2021, where it does seem like you know someone's grabbing their elbow just about every, uh, every game. Uh, it, it's been an incredible rate of injuries here uh, this season, and not totally unexpected given the, you know, coming off the shortened year, but it's hurt teams in a big way, but it hasn't hurt the White Sox at this point, to your point. And they rated pretty well going into the year, and they've only lived up to it. You know, they, they've got a lot of pedigree in that rotation, and uh, Lance Lynn has, has just been an absolutely fantastic addition for them. You know, he's, he's kind of uh, – in that Cy Young finalist mix right now, if you were to you know have the voting right now, so he's been huge for them, and and yeah, they're starting pitching, and and they got a really good bullpen as well, you know that that can uh, pave over a lot of those other issues I mentioned when when they're pretty banged up in the lineup. I guess my question is: Is there anyone that you think can catch them, and if so, who? I don't think so. Uh, I'd be really shocked if if they did not win the AL Central. Now, granted, maybe everything I've mentioned catches up to them, but. Um, you know, Cleveland's kind of been over its skis a bit relative to its offensive performance. They've kind of, you know, been nipping at the White Sox heels this year. But, you know, the White Sox has still been able to to build a, you know, a decent lead. They're the only team with a positive run, to run differential in the AL Central. The team that was supposed to vie with the White Sox for the Central crown was the Twins. And they just got off to such a miserable start. It's just the math just doesn't look pretty right now. I think they're 10 games out of the wild card race going into the weekend and um, it, it's just, it's been a, a, a miserable season for Minnesota and, and they're going to get to the point here before long where they got to really seriously consider shopping, you know, some of their pending free agents. So, um, you know, the Royals and Tigers are probably just not ready. The Royals got off to uh, such a great start this year, but, but, you know, that, that hasn't materialized into something real. If anybody can catch them at this point, it's, it's probably Cleveland, but 
Cleveland always has great pitching, and their bullpen has been way better than advertised this year, and that's a big separator for them. But uh, I just think uh, top to bottom, the White Sox have the you know the best thing going in the AL Central, the best roster, and uh, and that's even with a couple stars on the shelf. And I know their their bullpen has been very good, but you look at their starters: Keuchel, Giolito, Lynn, Cease, Rodon. If they are to sustain an injury, do they have enough depth to overcome that? That's always a question, and you know they they could find themselves scrambling like so many others. You know, before the year's out, you know Michael Kopech could could always be an interesting one there. Uh, he's he's pitched out of their bullpen for them this year, but but he's always one that uh and he, and he's also currently on the shelf. You know, as as a predominant theme here, as I mentioned, but. But you know he he could uh, he'll probably be back soon and and he could be one who who steps into the rotation at some point. That's just all part of managing his innings after being out for a couple of years, but uh, with, with surgery and then opting out of 2020. But he's certainly a guy who's uh, of interest. Um, the other thing I would say about the White Sox and the reason they're probably the favorite is which team is really going to go all out at the trade deadline to get that big piece if it's available to them, if if they uh, have a need. The White Sox are clearly in that mode right now, right? I mean, they, they have every incentive to to do right by this really good roster and this 70-something-year-old manager, right? <laughs> so, uh, so now's the time. You know, now is their time. And they could be the AL pennant winner. You know, they, they have all the, the makings of that. So um, cause those guys, you know, Jimenez and, and Robert, they, they could be back before year's end and, and ready to help out in the playoff push. And so, you know, maybe the White Sox go out and get a, you know, another arm or another bullpen arm or another bat if need be, and really go for it for the world series. Not, not It's always a short list of teams that really have the incentive to do something big and bold. I think at the trade deadline, there's a lot of deals that are made and, you know, fulfilling this need or that, but I'm, I'm talking about to really push your chips forward you know, the White Sox would probably be on the short list of teams that are in that mode right now. And the reason I brought up the whole depth question is the Rays already had lost Michael Walker at a point, Chris Archer at a point to injury, a half dozen relievers, and they've been able to survive and thrive. The White Sox and the Red Sox are probably two of the teams that have had the fewest injuries to their pitching stats to this point, and we, we haven't seen how they're going to handle it. No, you're absolutely right. That That's a big, because it will happen, you know, it's just the nature of, of any season, but particularly the way this season is out and yeah you gotta thank your lucky stars if you haven't been hit hit uh by the injury bug to this point that's why the rays earn so much respect in the industry is you know people made such a big deal about the blake snell trade last winter but you still looked at their roster and their farm system going into the year and said man that's a there's just a lot of options there you know and i know not all of them are household names uh not all of them are you know top 100 prospect list kind of guys but there's just a lot of good stuff uh, in that system, and we've seen it play out so far this year. No doubt about that. And, uh, you know, the other thing I was curious, since you brought up Tony La Russa, there have been some interesting moments, as you mentioned. How does that play out, and does does he is he going to have challenges? What is, what is the greatest challenge you think he'll have going forward with that group? You know, people made a big deal about you know, when, he, when he was hired, and, and can he relate to a younger team, a, a Latin-oriented team, whatever, a, a team that's, you know, plays with passion and energy and all that stuff. Is he going to come in and kind of clamp that down? And I, I kind of shrugged that off and said, well, listen, I mean, he'll probably be tactically very strong and that other stuff will kind of work itself out. Well, I, I was wrong. He had some, he had some real tactical uh, mishaps in the first couple months of the season. Maybe some of that is rust and some of that is just the game has changed quite frankly, a lot in the last decade. And then, you know, of course, the thing with your mean Mercedes, you know, that that ruffled some feathers uh, in that clubhouse. There's no doubt about it. But, 
you know, the bottom line in all this, you know, this, Neil, I mean, winning solves a lot of problems and, and they've won a lot of games and, and, you know, you still, if you watch them over the course of a series, I think you'll still get respect, give, I think you'll still have respect for the way, you know, he manages a game, but he has had some high profile blunders, uh, you know, leaving guys in too long or not having a great feel for the extra innings rule. He didn't know you could, you know, replace your pitcher <laughs> if he's, if he's the, uh, you know, the, the automatic base runner at second base, just, you know, things like that. But, you know, he's, he's in that job. The the owner wanted him there. He's going to be there the rest of the year. And, you know, this team is, is talented enough to overcome all those, uh, you know, distractions that have, that have popped up so far, but you certainly like to avoid those distractions moving forward. No doubt. And the last thing on that is, you know, the big question is maybe not getting to the playoffs, but how well they fare against the teams that are playoff contenders. They're sub 500 right now against teams with winning records. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, we always make things of those splits, you know, the home road stuff or versus this team or how they fare this year against this particular team. or And then, you know, how October works, it all goes out the window. But um, but yeah, that is they haven't had uh, they, they've been able to beat up on on some some of the uh, American leagues also rans and some of their you know, division is set up for that as well. That's where you kind of look at, you know, what's fascinating about this playoff format going back, I guess, to the old playoff format is, you know, the division huge difference for you, you know, and, um, you know, the AL East is really deep right now and really strong, uh, outside of the Orioles and you know, it can tame down winning percentages. And then if you're a team that has a couple rebuilding clubs in your division, that can work in your advantage and it, it helps out the White Sox for sure. It certainly does. Anthony, great stuff. We appreciate a few minutes this week on this week in race baseball. You got it. Thanks for having me. And that's Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com and MLB network. And we certainly appreciate his time on the show today. And that of all of our guests on the program today, thanks to J.P. Fireisen, Race Reliever. Great to get to know him a little bit as he gets himself acclimated to his new organization. Great to chat in person with Brian Anderson from Bally Sports On about how good the Rays have been. We uh, also appreciate Shane Boz coming on the program, one of the Rays' top pitching prospects, and he's been just dominating for Montgomery. And also Chad Matola, the Rays' hitting coach, for being with us on the show today. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. Next week, it is our Father's Day edition of the program. We'll be joined by reliever Ryan Thompson and a whole lot more. Uh, from my producer today, Rob Roman, I'm Neil Solons. Stay tuned. It's the pregame show that's coming up next. Rays and the Orioles is a race seek a sweep on the Race Baseball Network.